Welcome to Answer My Call, the podcast for parents of teens. I'm your co-host, Angela Dobrinsky, and I'm a private practice therapist in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. I'm also the mom of two teen boys. I'm Brigitte. I'm the co-host of Answer My Call with Angela. I'm a mental health therapist and owner of Mindful Group Practice in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. I work primarily with teens and women in my practice. I'm a mom to a teen and a tween, always waiting for them to answer my call. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Answer My Call. I'm your co-host, Angela. Hi, Rajuda. Hi, Angela. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm looking forward to talking about this topic. Me too. Boundaries. The word boundaries is one I think can be misconstrued or misused. And first, we thought we'd sort of clarify what we mean when we're talking about interpersonal boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then talk a little bit more about you know, what that means for our relationships with our teens. So first, I just want to clarify that the word boundaries is not synonymous with the word rules. And I do hear people use them interchangeably. Like, I set a boundary that my mom can't call me after eight o'clock. That's not a boundary. That's a rule you're trying to impose. A boundary would be not answering your phone after eight (laughs) o'clock. It's what you set for yourself. So when we're talking about interpersonal boundaries, we really mean identifying where you end and I begin and vice versa. Part of our role as parents is helping our kids identify just this, like where you end and I begin so that they can carry that forward into healthy relationships. Yeah. And I love the fact that you talk about boundaries, not as rules, but something that we value, right? That that is something that we value in our life that, so for example, if I'm not going to pick up the phone after eight at night, that I value my bedtime in a specific way. Exactly. And so in that sense, you know, I think people picture boundaries as these like fences. And I even wrote a blog post about this a few months ago that I see boundaries more as gates. It's really deciding who and when we open those gates for, you know, deciding how much of ourselves we give others access to, uh, how much we let others in, and also how much we let other stuff impact us. So, you know, when we sort of set our own boundaries, let's say that eight o'clock phone call thing, others might respect and yield to those parameters if they know that, right? They might say, oh, she doesn't like to answer the phone after eight, I'm not going to call. Or they might repeatedly try to get more from us than we have expressed we're willing to give. And so when someone does that repeatedly, we often feel highly conflicted. It means either we have to push back or in some cases we have to remove this person from our life or we have to just sort of double down and get stronger in maintaining this boundary, which can be very stressful when someone's pushing at it, pushing at it, pushing at it, right? But ultimately we can't force others to honor our boundaries. Absolutely. We maintain them. Yeah. So, you know, if as parents, we honor our kids' boundaries, right, that reinforces our kids' ability to maintain boundaries with others. And that's such a crucial point, Angela, because a lot of times as parents, we feel like we need to know everything that's happening in our child's life, especially our teens, because we are also struggling with a lot of our own fears around what they are 
doing at school with friends, you know, in social settings. And so I think it's really important for us to really figure out what our boundaries are, which means what we value personally, and then what are our values and sort of understanding of our family boundaries are. Yes. Right. And so in that sense, really, and I think you you said it so beautifully is really allowing our teens to also have their boundaries and that we as parents respect them. Yeah. And so why do you think that it's so important that we help teens learn how to set and maintain their own boundaries, even if we don't like them, right? Like even if we want to know more or we want to call after eight, why do you think it's important that we help kids learn the ability to set and maintain their own boundaries? So before I answer that question, the one thing that I will say is to parents is that please talk to your kids about what boundaries are and what do they mean, right? And Angela, I think, I mean, I would literally take your blog post and have my teenager read it because for them to understand what boundaries are, a lot of times in my practice, I see so many of my teen clients going, oh, you know, that's my rule, that's my boundary, Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And a lot of times I do talk to them about values. Let's talk about values so that you can then talk about your boundaries because they need to align. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Yeah, that's a great approach to really identify values. I wonder in your experience right now in your practice, is that something that parents tend to be already doing with kids? Or is that something that you bring up as sort of a new like, hey, remember, let's consider what your values, your family values, your kids values are, and that helps them make decisions going forward? I think a lot of times values among family members are enmeshed. Yeah, right. Because as parents, so even before as parents, as individuals, I think we struggle to understand how to work on our values. In other words, really understand what our values are in that particular setting. Like you mentioned before, contextually, the core values don't change, which means respect, love, you know, things like that don't change. But if I'm interacting with my teen who is super rebellious, I might shift and be a little bit flexible on what my expectations of respect are from my teenager, right? That is a good point. The first thing that came to my mind when you said that is tone of voice, right? As adults, we have (laughs) this often internal boundary, like no one's going to talk to me that way. Like I'm not going to be spoken down to or whatever. And we have that across the board and in many relationships with our kids, that tone of voice can so trigger a reaction in us. And I myself am learning that that's something that I can be more flexible with and sort of let go. I can roll my eyes (laughs) behind their back if I need to step away if I'm feeling really incited. That's the first example I thought of. But I think they are rolling their eyes behind us as well as we are, right? Like it's, it's a very mutual sort of thing when it comes to setting up boundaries as rules. 
Yes, it's a very different thing, right? Do you see any, in your practice and, and working primarily with teens, do you see any common ways in which teens allow their boundaries to be violated? I can think of a few in some past experiences I've had. I'm curious sort of what you're seeing, if there's any commonalities, or maybe it's just all over the map, but what are some ways that that teens allow their own boundaries to be violated? I think, again, I'm stepping back a little bit to your first question in terms of teenagers and boundaries, right, where a big part of parenting, I think, is to be role models to our children. And I'm not saying we're all perfect. We can't be perfect. We have our moments. Get it. But we are our children's first teachers. And most of the times, and you and I have studied a lot of books and psychology in our counseling classes, where attachment styles are so important for children and how we develop into adulthood and those what are those attachment styles. So I think a lot of times modeling our behavior is the first step towards teaching our teenagers. We have to practice what we preach. Right? Right? Well said. Yeah. And so I think coming back to your question about what I'm seeing in terms of teens violating their boundaries, I think they're learning it from us in many Mm. ways, right? They're learning that it's okay to sometimes let go of our value system, that it's okay sometimes to be rigid. It's okay sometimes to push back. And again, not sort of holding the entire blame on parenting, but we are a big part of it. And their social setting, which also is a huge part right now as teenagers for them, right? And so a lot of times... What I see in my teen clients is them really trying to please everyone. Mm, And that's great point, right? Like that's impossible. So one of the things that we discuss in our sessions is what is people pleasing and what does that do for them? And a lot of times sort of the answer is it allows me as a teen, right? It allows me not to confront this person because, you know, then I have to talk about my boundaries. Right. So they can avoid the consequence of of that discomfort of that conflict by just sort of people pleasing. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of times they are not able to stand up for themselves because as parents, we've said, this is the way I want this and you cannot digress from that. Yes. This scares me as an across the board parenting tactic. I think it's ingrained in, again, our cultural approach to parenting, but it scares me because what happens often is if children are taught, basically do what you're told, whether or not you're comfortable with it. Like, so, oh, I'm feeling scared at the playground. Let's go home. Oh no, don't be scared. Those people over there are fine. We're going to stay, but I want to go. I'm uncomfortable. No, we're going to stay. That sort of you know, parental overriding of our kids' boundaries, or in this case, sort of instincts means that they continue to override their own instincts and allow their own boundaries to be crossed. And that can end them in some really high risk situations. Yeah. And behaviors. And behaviors. Right? Because I see a lot of 
my teens struggling with romantic relationships. And we already know that there is a high risk of dating violence when it comes to teen partnerships. And there is a huge increase in dating violence. And I, th- I think part of it has to do with boundaries. Part of it has to do with sort of figuring out what their value system is. It's also very gendered, right? What we teach our daughters versus what we teach our sons. A lot of it has to do with sexuality. So there is sort of a lot of different consequences that happen because we don't allow our teenagers to understand A, what boundaries are, B, to enact them with us as parents so that they can actually practice and receive respect for for being able to say, hey, you know what, this is my boundary and this is what I believe in. Perfect. Like that practice with their parents reinforces their ability to independently set, maintain, respect their own boundaries with other people. Absolutely. And I see that more and more in terms of romantic relationships, in in terms of friendships, right? I'm going to be okay with anything and everything my friend does, and I'm going to support this friend because they are my friend. And if I say no, if I stop, if I, you know, don't support them, then they are not going to support me. They are not going to be my friend. And then to have the confidence, to have even sort of the self-worth, right? That it's okay to be able to say, no, I cannot support you in this because this is what I believe in, right? And then I see a lot of problems with sort of sexting and digital etiquettes, right? So where is that coming from, right? Why is it okay? Or why is it not okay, right? But having that conversation with your teen is so important. And so when I have that conversation around what makes it okay for you to send, say, a sexual text message to someone whom you have not met, what does that mean? If it's your boyfriend, what does that mean? And what are the long-term consequences of not really thinking what it means to you two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, right? So all of this, I think, is part of creating a value system for our teenagers so that they have something rooted, right? They feel grounded, they feel anchored. And I think a lot of, most of the times, it's parents and caregivers who are able to give them that that space. I'm glad you mentioned long-term consequences because what I immediately thought after you said that was the short-term or the immediate consequences for maintaining one's personal boundaries is often someone else being mad at them, not liking them, pushing back. It's, it's interpersonal conflict or rejection which ties right into your observation of people-pleasing. So I think for a lot of people, teens and adults, a tendency to violate one's own boundaries or to not you know, maintain one's own boundaries is rooted in people-pleasing. 
and or conflict avoidance. <laughs> yeah. But if we are more deeply rooted in or anchored in our core values, it is a much easier thing to tolerate when people don't like us or get upset with something we maybe say no to. Much easier to tolerate because we know we're making a decision based on our core values and what we have set as our own boundaries. And that those are our values regardless of whether other people approve of them or like them. Yeah, and I I absolutely agree with that. And I think for most teens, they struggle with what their values are and what their value systems are. Because in today's world, they're exposed to so much more in terms of social media in real time, sort of constant bombardment of things that's coming their way, right? So they have this plethora of information, and there is no understanding of how to process that information. In addition to that, I think they're also because we've talked about this before in terms of their hormonal changes, their brain development, they are literally physically, emotionally unable to process all of that information, right? And I think third, socially, they're thinking, what is cool? If my friend is doing, you know, sending sort of sexual stuff to someone, if my friend asks me to support them in some ways, I'm going to be there because I want to be a cool friend. I want to be a cool partner. I want to be seen as someone who is not a stuck up, you know, I want to be accepted. Oh my God, that's such a big, big thing. I want to fit in. I want to be accepted. And then, you know, boundaries are the last thing I'm thinking about. Sure. Right. Yeah, boundaries yield to all of those other more urgent things. Yeah. Yeah. If we allow them to. So parents role in this really clarifying and reinforcing boundaries in their teens, so that teens have an understanding of what their own personal boundaries are and can move forward in life, you know, interacting with others in a healthy way for themselves without being violated constantly. Parents can model that themselves. We see a lot of like people pleasing in moms, or I do, where moms will do anything for everyone else, even if it sucks them dry. So maybe it would help if mom holds her own lines a little bit and values her own health and well-being and mental health, even if it means saying no to packing another lunch or whatever it might be that day that sort of pushes up against her, her core value of, of self-care. So parents can model, parents can have some maybe explicit conversations about values. Absolutely. I don't think that happens often in families, explicit conversations like that. Our teens are at a perfect age to have those sort of conversations and really clarify, you know, we, we can't highly value 20 different things at once. We do have to prioritize. And that's, you know, one way of setting our own boundaries. Anything else that we think parents could do to support teenagers in this process? I think what you said sort of sums it up perfectly. I would like to add one more thing to that is as we talk about our values, as we talk about our boundaries, create a compassionate space for your teen to be able 
to have that conversation because a lot of times when we talk to our teenagers about boundaries we are telling them our rules exactly right and you mentioned that at the beginning and i think it's really important not to come across as a parent who says this is my boundary which means this is my rule for you and there is no negotiating there's no talking about this right and then there are going to be big consequences i think just providing unconditional support and love throughout this is also important and i think for teenagers and this is what you know i have talked to teenagers in my practice i usually use the term we are going to talk about the three c's which is communication consent and comfort communicate with your friend communicate with your partner communicate with your parents communicate with your peers your teachers right communicate and tell them how you feel about a certain thing tell them how something they said hurt your feelings that it's okay to communicate that in a non-confrontational way consent i mean we all have talked about consent right but i think it's so important to talk about consent in terms of boundaries where if i don't believe in this particular way of approaching things because it doesn't sit well with me then i'm not going to consent to doing that as a friend as a partner as a you know it's difficult when a teens are talking to their parents right sometimes rules override it, yeah there's a lot of contextual things there absolutely and the last thing i will say is comfort and comfort level is so important because sometimes teens like i mentioned before do something because it appears to be cool but inside it's it's almost like creating an anxiety of fear or anger or pain or hurt right if it doesn't sit well with you if you don't feel comfortable with what's going on walk away talk to someone to your counselor to your parents to a member of the community whom you trust and so i think we have this conversation very frequently in our sessions especially with my teens that's great and for the rest of us to make sure we are recognizing and honoring others consent or non-consent and others comfort or discomfort. I also want to say one more thing which is just that teens rarely recognize if they are uncomfortable with something their parents are doing and I mean not just dancing in line at the supermarket but something their parents are maybe sharing with them or involving them in that is definitely a okay mom you end there and i start here so um i think the most common thing is hearing about parental marital issues or issues with the the both parents whether they're married or not many parents feel they can confide in their teen about things like that they're old enough to know the truth they're old enough to hear this in my experience they're mostly not and mostly don't want to hear it but if that's been part of the family culture they might not recognize that it's uncomfortable for them so back to your point of parents as models i think sometimes we do have to consider more than just what our teens are telling us 
and really consider what we know about them and their comfort level, you know, with their own boundaries. I love that. Well, it has been so nice talking today as usual. And I look forward to talking with you again next week. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye.